Welcome to the Blue Bloods Podcast. A college game time production. Quarterback draw. He's got a running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of Blue Bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college. Yo, here we are. Back again. Blue Bloods. Episode 36, week zero is behind us. That's crazy. Week zero is behind us, which means we are full swing in the college football season. We're going to we're gonna obviously go back over week zero, even though it wasn't like the greatest slate of games. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're going to look ahead to some storylines for week one. I mean, Brandon, we've got, was it five straight days of football, college baby. football upon us? <clears throat> Wait, not, and not to brush over it too fast, but bro, it has been a year since we started the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. Dude. Oh yeah, this is the anniversary. Yeah, it's basically. our anniversary podcast. Yeah, it is. It's one year this anniversary. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> is that something we talked about exactly a year ago on the first yeah. ever Blue Bloods podcast, we will be talking about today. It's the, We're, we're going to ask the same question, and we didn't even mean for that to work out that way, but... Will Scott Frost survive the season? We <laughs> talked about that on the first ever episode of this podcast because remember they were coming off the loss to uh, Illinois. Illinois. Yep, and then now we'll get into it. But what just coming off the lo- week in Dublin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it, I'm trying. It to just think. hit me when you said like, "Oh, week zero's behind us." I was like, "Wait a minute." This is like a year, such typical guys, like women would have made such a big deal out of a year anniversary. We're like, welcome to another episode of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. By the way, it's been a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's been a year. Dude, and, well, and I'm also thinking this was a year, a year ago was when the Iowa State situation happened. Yep. Yeah, the Iowa State coming in your DMs. I mean, we kind of came out hot. That was crazy. First. Yeah. I, it, it's crazy. I'm like, I'm just... I really haven't even been too active. Obviously, I was uh, going toe to toe with salmonella poisoning uh, a couple weeks ago, and then uh, finally got that all out of my system. So he, that was crazy. By the yeah, way. what happened? Like, so well, we were on a time crunch. We got time today. Yeah. So it was it was actually my birthday when right. I got it. Okay. And we had recorded. We had just recorded part one of our big season preview right Mm -hmm. which was like almost two hours long that was on i think we actually recorded that on monday of that week yeah it was and then the next day tuesday was my birthday so i ate at two places that was it i had some meetings like all day for for um uh little side hustle i got going so (laughs) anyway so i was in meetings yeah side hustle becoming the main hustle type deal anyways well uh i'm in meetings all day so we one of those was at a lunch Ate nothing like out of the ordinary. Then for my birthday, we went out to one of those hibachi grills, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something was off with the lobster. I do know that. Something was off with the lobster. 
The thing is, though, my wife ate some of it, too. I thought I was the only one that ate lobster, but my wife had eaten some, too, and she was fine. So that night I get home, and it's one of those deals where, like, I'm freezing cold, but I'm burning up. Yep. You know, like, I got chills. So I I know I have fever. Like, I know my body. And and just for me, just generally speaking, when I get sick, like, I usually can tell what's going on. I usually shake it pretty quick. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I know my body. Right. So, but then of course with COVID still being a thing and my daughter being back at school, like wanted to kind of take all that into consideration. Right. So I slept in the, our little guest room and COVID test was negative and I just got worse the next day. And I was like, man, like usually for me after, you know, even when I had COVID, I mean, Mm -hmm. I had, I did have COVID back in, I think 2020 and like, fortunately i was one of the ones that like i had probably symptoms for maybe 12 hours and then i was yeah. fine no that's nice so i'm like man this isn't this this can't be covid so then I, I my fever like really starts spiking like it won't go away and then i've got some other like stuff going on that i'm not gonna say just for our yeah. viewers or <laughs> listeners you know i'll save them the spare them the details of all that but i got some other stuff going on that's not pretty and another covid test is negative so I finally like, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor. Doctor, they test me for flu. They test me for COVID. Everything's negative. And I'm trying to say, hey, I think there's something going on in my stomach. Like I know my body. Something's happening here. I can't get this fever to go away. I can't get some of these other things to stop as well. And I'm like miserable. Like I'm, I'm just sort of like shivering in the doctor's office. I'm rocking back and forth. And the guy says, oh, um, well, we're going to do another COVID test. And just go take vitamins and eat yogurt and something else. And I'm like, can you give me any medicine? Like something, like something is going on. And he just would not, he didn't want to take anything into consideration other than COVID. And so I'm like, I had two negative in-home tests. I have a negative test in his office plus a negative flu test. And now they're wanting to send one off. And this was on, I think, Thursday of that week. This is when things got awful so i go home no medicine i think he prescribed me something for nausea but like 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 nausea wasn't the problem like nausea was a symptom of the actual problem (laughs) and i'm not a doctor but i do know my body so that night i got up to 103.9 fever which that's like 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 it's like death i mean Uh, you know, I don't mean to joke about that, but like, that's serious. <clears throat> so I'm laying there and I'm shivering. That's, what's crazy is I have 103.9 temperature and I'm freezing cold. And then I got some other stuff going on as well. So I yeah. said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm like, I'm like praying for my life. I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> if this is it. And I'm even, I'm like, I'm like, college football's about to start. Like right. this podcast, <laughs> like my family's dependent on me. Like I'm, I'm sitting here. Like I got, I'm going through all these things. Like surely this isn't it. Surely. <laughs> and I'm by myself in my guest room. My kids are upstairs asleep. My wife's asleep. It's like three in the morning. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go take a freezing cold shower. And if the fever doesn't break, like I'm going to drive myself to the emergency room. Like I have to, I have to like, I'm thinking like I'm legitimately thinking like I might die. Mm -hmm. And then what's crazy is as I'm like, I get my mind ready to do that. I fall asleep. (laughs) So like (laughs) next thing I remember, like I wake up at like 7am, like four hours later and my fever didn't break yet. But, um, 
it went down to like a hundred point five, not one of okay. you know a hundred points. So I was, I was like, okay, I can. By that point, I'd been running fever sh- like three days right. straight. I was like, this is nothing to me. This feels great, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, to kind of like speed this story up, so we can actually talk about college football. My test still doesn't come back that they sent off. This is Friday now. Obviously, you go into the weekend, you don't hear anything from the doctor. So I've got this right. stuff going on from Friday to Monday because we were actually supposed to record part two of the yep. college football preview. And I was like, dude, like I can't like, I'm, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I've still mm-hmm. got stuff going on. By that point, the fever had at least broken, but I still had other stuff going on. I knew something wasn't right. I went to another doctor on Monday morning and he was like, dude, you have food poisoning and I think you have salmonella. He's like, I'm going to give you and he prescribed me like this very intense like antibiotic prescription. And he's like, so you're telling me you went to a doctor and told them this, this, and this, and they sent you home and told you to take vitamins. I said, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. He's like, and you've been miserable for the last four days. I said, yeah, exactly. So anyways, (laughs) finally finished. I mean, in last week I was fine, but I was having dealing with some side effects from like, it was like a pretty intense. Yeah. it was like two different ones. One was three times a day. I mean, oh, it was, gosh. I feel like I was taking like antibiotic constantly, but like I finally took my last round uh, last night, actually. Oh, I'm good. back. I'm feeling good. That's good. Uh, I got to, I watched some college football, which always yes. makes you feel better, but <laughs> whoo. Okay. Well, you know, that's not shocking. Funny fact. Uh, Corey just said this in like a leadership deal. Did you know, like, the average doctor only listens to their patient for, like, 18 seconds before they start talking? Well, I believe it, because this guy didn't like, listen to me at all. I'm he- I'm hearing that, and I'm like, oh, that has to make sense. Yeah, the average doctor only listens 18 seconds to a patient's problem before they start, before they shut you out and start talking. Just That's crazy. Fact. I don't even know if he listened to me for that long. <laughs> it probably did. I mean, he came right in, and he said, "What? Do, what we're trying to figure out what's going on with you, and he was like, uh, you know... You don't have anything going on with your nose? I said, no. Nothing going on with your throat? No. Nothing going on with your chest? No. And he was like, hmm. And I said, something is in my stomach. Like, I didn't know, (laughs) but I was so weak and like, I I couldn't be, like, you know how I can get it. Yeah, yeah. And like, I couldn't quite go to that level because I just didn't have it in me. I was just miserable. And anyways, but no, I I believe it because he didn't, (laughs) but Anyway, so, all right, you want to talk college football now? Yeah, man, let's go. I just, I've honestly been waiting for that story because we were, like, on a time crunch last week, and I was like, I'll just let them tell them to me on the podcast. I don't even need them to text it to me. No, I mean, it was, like, it was bad. It was, I, and again, when you're someone that doesn't ever really get sick, and even when you do get sick, like, I usually can shake it off 24, mm-hmm. 48 hours. When I was hitting the third day in a row with a you're fever like not wrong. going away, and that's what the other doctor was saying. He's like, because you're dealing with a bacterial infection, not uh, a viral infection. And he's like, like you, you got to have something to get in there and kill that. And yeah, you got to flush it. So, and I know everybody's had different experiences with that type of stuff, but my goodness, I don't ever want to have to go through that ever again. <laughs> like, that was awful. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Trey. <laughs> But I'm also, to turn this into like a little inspiring piece, I'm also a believer, that's what I told my wife, because just to give a little bit more glimpse into my life, like my my one-year-old had COVID the week before. Oh, yeah, and that's right. So, yeah, so so he dealt with COVID, and that was, he, he handled it fine. He's a, he took it like a champ, but then right after that, I get salmonella poisoning, and it was, it just really felt for a while, like with our household, and then my daughter going back to school, 
things just seemed so like everything was breaking down. Yep. And I was like, you know what? That's what happens. Before you get a breakthrough, things break down. And so if everything's breaking down, you can sulk in the breakdown or you can go, you know what? Things are breaking down right now, but that's because I'm about to break through something. And so keep pushing. I don't know what that something is for me and my house, but we are uh, fully. We're ready to receive it. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. (laughs) Okay. So great. You want me to lay out the template? There we go, man. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So if you've been a like regular listener, you know, our typical format is we'll usually recap a bold prediction Uh, We'll talk about our biggest surprise, talk about our biggest disappointment from the prior week's games, and then we'll look ahead to some of the top storylines for the upcoming week's games. And so something we're going to kind of play around with this year is we're going to keep that same template, but we're also, instead of it always being a bold prediction, we were talking about this B. Holmes uh, over the weekend about having the biggest overreaction from the weekend. Yes. That's fun discussion, especially early in the season, because... You don't get any better overreactions than you do after the first few like weeks, the first of, college four weeks of college football. Four weeks of college football, man. Like <laughs> so, that was like us with UCLA last year. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and it could go one way or the other. It could be a, a a good overreaction, a bad overreaction. So I think what we're gonna do for week zero is let's do overreaction. Yeah. Surprise, disappointment. Then we'll look ahead to week one. So you want to kick it off since I yeah, just man. spent the first twelve minutes. Oh, it's fine, about- man. My, my Seminole battle poison. Seminole poison. <laughs> Man, my biggest overreaction this week was Florida State. Now, I know this kind of goes a little off kilter what I talked about last week with Florida State potentially being my dark horse in ACC. But, man, and I said this last week on the pod because I actually listened to what I said last week to kind of make sure I was ready for this week. <laughs> and um, it is true. Like, all of a sudden, Florida State has been on my Twitter feed. I don't follow anything about Florida State. But they are there for some odd reason. So, I'm going to take this as a, a sign that I should follow Florida State this year because that's how Nebraska popped on my radar last year. Mm. And um, everyone's, like, super fired up. Don't get me wrong. They look good. I did watch their game. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with some people kind of watching them play. Um, oh, no, that was before that. Anyways, I did watch some of their game. And I was like, okay, that's great, but they played Duskane. Like, it wasn't like they came out and did that against – like even Arkansas State or NIU, like you know a MAC team at at it's Duskane. I'm like yeah. they they should have done that. Um, so I think it was a big overreaction. You know, everyone's saying I think we're back. Norville's turning this thing around, which I hope he does because I think college football's better when Florida State is good. Right. Um, but we're about to find out real fast where they are. Um, this upcoming Sunday with uh LSU when they play LSU, and I think that's a I don't know if it's a home game or not, but. I just think that was kind of a bit of overreaction. They had three guys that went over 100 rushing yards, which was cool. But it's just game, man. Like, let's pump the brakes. No, they are at LA. Oh, they're in the Superdome. They're playing oh, at, okay. Which basically which, at, at LSU. LSU. But it, it looks like it's a a neutral site. I mean, <laughs> neutral site. <laughs> no one um, plays at the Superdome. I think that's a neutral site game. If you're Not against LSU. LSU. <laughs> um. Okay, so my overreaction, I've I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. So I've got a couple things. Um one is Nebraska. Um and let me say this. Let me let me let me say it this way. After Nebraska's first drive, that to me was the biggest <laughs> overreaction of week zero. <laughs> because 
and I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna lie to you, be Holmes. Like I drank a little bit of the Kool Aid myself. I did. I I saw they went right down the field. Thompson hits that fade. I'm going yep. Whipple. Like it looked just like the the pit the picket led pit offense last year. It did, dude. I had a tweet like ready to fire off. Same. Um, and it was obviously a stab at Texas because if you know me and you listen, like anytime mm-hmm. I can take a dig at Texas, I will do it. And I was gonna. It said something along the lines of, "Hmm, maybe Casey Thompson wasn't the problem in Austin or something like that." Yeah. And I said, "You know what, Trey? It's one drive. Like, let's just wait." But when I got on Twitter, I am seeing all oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was like crazy. <laughs> and I just said, "Well, let's just hold on a second because." This is Pat Fitzgerald coming off a three and nine season, which we mm-hmm. talked about last week. He's he's probably the most dangerous coach in the world now, because not just yep. America. I mean, he went to Ireland, so and did it right in, in the world. <laughs> uh, coming off a three and nine season, so I have to say, Nebraska after their first drive was one of the biggest overreactions. And then, hey, how about Vandy dropping a sixty piece on Hawaii, like? <laughs> I I didn't see that coming. I didn't. And I kind of jokingly have 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 been very like I like their coach. Is it Clark Lee? Clark Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I like what he stands for. I like just his disposition. I like how he's building the program. But he did say something at SEC Media Days that I'm going to misquote it because I don't have it in front of me. But it was something along the lines of "We know we will have the best program in the country country at Vanderbilt." And then I made a little like meme where I did like the creative coach in NCAA 14 and I created <laughs> Clark Lee and I said, you know, what he said versus what he meant. You know what I mean? Right. Cause like that's something you do in NC. In fact, I think you're yeah. actually doing it right now in NCAA 14 is turning. Vanderbilt I was at one point. Yeah. I, was best- I left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, even the, even the video game, it takes, but I did not expect him to go drop a 60 piece on Hawaii. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like these dudes, I'm in my mind. I'm going. This might be like the best season since James Franklin. They got that right. quarterback. Is it my? I can't tell you. I don't know. I, I we mess up names time to time. Um, but their quarterback balled out. And then I went and looked at their schedule, and I thought, okay, yeah, they may start four or five and zero. And then I'm going L L L L L L L L. Like I don't see them winning like any of their last like I think it was six or seven games. Yeah. And, but I mean, the other thing to think about too, is Hawaii is not good. No. Um, Cause they had, uh, was it Todd Graham last year? And yep. I feel like he, like half of the team transferred. They did. They left. So they got Timmy Chang in there as his first year head coach. I don't know if this, I don't know if this is his first ever year, but I know it's his first year at the FBS level and they've got a lot to sort out over there and mm-hmm. i think vanderbilt year two under clark leah um you know it was a good win for them but yeah there's definitely some overreaction there for me i was thinking oh, okay maybe vandy will put together a nine win season like they did with no. franklin and then i started looking at the schedule i thought no 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 the hawaii stadium is nice though the new one it was I it's agree. really nice very nice <laughs> makes me want to go visit not as big as as what was Aloha Stadium. Aloha yeah. Stadium, you know, where they used it's to like play the Pro huge. Bowl and all that. They had like 50, 60,000. I think this one, I mean, it it 
There's high school stadiums in Texas. I was about to say, it looks like a Texas high school football yeah. stadium. That's what it looked like. But the fact that it's in Hawaii and the scenery around it. Yeah, it looks cool. Gives it a little bit more pizzazz. So, um, all right, biggest surprise, be Holmes, from week zero. I think it's going to throw some people for a loop. Biggest surprise, man, Jim Moore and UConn. Mm-hmm. Though they didn't win against Utah State, man, this looked like a well-improved UConn team. Some people who may be listening to us don't realize like at one point UConn was pretty decent at football. I'm not yeah. saying they were all world, but they were pretty decent. They fielded some pretty decent teams. Um, they got to a BCS. They got to a BCS ball early. Florida 2000s? State maybe was it Florida was it State? I can't remember who they played. I don't either. But, but yeah. then people forget like the years they had Khalil Mack, where they played Ohio State really close a couple years ago. Wait, we say a couple years ago, but that's like probably eight years ago. Khalil Mack. He was yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo. What did I say? Oh, my bad. My bad. UConn. I don't know. I'm, I'm mixing up two stories. Um, no, we're good. But, yeah, UConn. Bro, Jim Moore has those boys ready to play, man. I don't know if you watched any of that game. It was a really, really good game. UConn came out the gate playing really well, played really tough. Jim Moore has those guys playing tough football. Mm-hmm. Um, Looks like he's building a nice little culture there. So I was actually really shocked because they have – Pretty much, because didn't they flirt with, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they like almost go down to FCS, or they went down to FCS and came back up to FBS? Um, I think it was conference. I think they went independent or something like that. That's what it was. Were, something something weird. Yeah. They were just that yeah. terrible. Um, yeah. And they, I think they did flirt with going down to FCS. I feel like I'm, I remember something like that. Yeah. So sorry, guys listening. I, I didn't completely fact check that one, but I think they flirted with FCS, and now you know they're. Anyway, so I'll to say Jim Moore has those boys playing, man. I'm not saying they're going to win a bunch of games this year, but I actually like what he's kind of building at that program. They got some mm-hmm. toughness. Um, the offense looked good. I think they're going to that they, they might catch some people by surprise this year, man. They're just they. You can just you can see the culture being built there, and I'm pretty impressive, man, because I don't think Jim Moore like really got to ride off into the sun. <laughs> at his last stop, uh, so to see him come take over a struggling program and have those boys ready to play against Utah State, who won their conference last year, um, I, th- I think that was that was my probably biggest surprise. What did they? Yeah. So speaking of that game, I got the last week's scores pulled up. Yeah. So they ended up they didn't win, but they Mm-mm. they played they it. played them tight. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Like to your point, Utah State's got a really good program, um, and then. Mike Wright is the quarterback I was referencing from Vanderbilt. I really okay. want to look that up. I don't know where I was getting Smith from, maybe because I'm a Smith, but uh, Mike Wright. Um, okay, so I'm up. Biggest surprise. So, mine, uh, uh, hey, fam, you, and how they played Carolina. Man, we were so, texting. We were texting during that game. So, and here's the thing. Look, I think the score ended up being, yeah, it was 56-24. So, if you look at the the final score, it's like, okay, what are you talking about? But FAMU had, like, half their team was ineligible, Mm -hmm. including their best player, which is one Mm -hmm. of their linebackers. Uh, I don't know if he's, like, an edge rusher. I don't don't know the roster that intently. But here's what I can say. If it wasn't for an interception at the end of the first half that North Carolina was able to convert into a touchdown to go up a couple more scores, which, and the reason why that's so critical is because literally, fam, you could have just ran out the clock and took it into halftime. Yeah. 
there would have been a point, if not for that play, there would have been a point deep in the third quarter where FAMU would have had the ball down 28-24. Now, Mm -hmm. instead, they were down 35-24 with possession. But I remember I texted you. I said, man, if not for that interception right at the end of the half. This would be a different game. Like, they're, they're, they're getting possession driving to go take the lead deep into the game. Right. And uh, I think if you watch the first half of that game, how they played on both sides of the ball, really, I mean, all three phases. I mean, they pinned um, – they, they well, I don't know. I can't – actually, now I'm mixing up another game uh, from special teams. I think I'm thinking of Nebraska-Northwestern when Nebraska kept getting pinned back into their own five-yard yes. line. Um, anyways – I thought that they played really well. Uh, FAMU did. And you know who they have next uh, on Sunday, Orange Blossom Classic, is Jackson State. Yes, sir. So, I'll be watching that. Yeah, and I don't know if those the, the, the rest of the team is going to be eligible for that game or not, but just looking at how what they had traveled and played against North Carolina, I mean, played them that, tough. And, and, and knowing how that game played last year, where I think it was a 6 nothing game in Jackson uh-huh. State's touchdown, I want to say was a defensive touchdown. They couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, but the other part of that game that I thought was interesting was Drake May, quarterback for North Carolina, threw, I think, five touchdown passes. That's actually yeah. the brother of Luke May. Uh, if you're a basketball fan, hmm. Luke May was uh, hit that legendary shot against Kentucky to go to the Elite Eight. Um back in like 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. And then North Carolina went on to win the national championship in basketball. It was the year Kentucky had De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. And, okay. Luke, and, and Monk had just hit a three to tie it. And then Luke May comes down and hits a little mid-ranger with like 0.3 seconds left to yeah. ice it. And then they went on. I think they beat Gonzaga that year. So anyways, Luke May, a lot of college basketball fans will remember him mm-hmm. in his March moment. And, and and it wouldn't be the first episode of the Blue Bloods podcast if I didn't reference March Madness yep. like I did a year ago. <laughs> but Drake May, his younger brother, is the quarterback now at Carolina and in his first start through five touchdown passes. So I'm curious to see how uh hmm. how he how he builds on that 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 start and plays out the rest of the season. All right. Disappointment. <sighs> Go big red, man. Those dudes. Those dudes. And that, let me not even say it's Nebraska. It's Scott Frost. This is why I'm I'm really disappointed in Scott Frost. Two things. One, I think we texted. Or maybe I was texting. I don't know. I was texting somebody. I was texting a few people during that game. Yeah. The onside kick up 11. Uh-huh. Like, the momentum is flowing your way. Yeah. And <clears throat> at that point, in the, I'm watching the game. Northwestern, they don't really have anything really established quite yet. It's like they're still trying to find their footing on their offense. Yeah. And it's like if you just kick the football, stop them, and at least go up a field goal, you're up two scores, which ultimately you probably still win the game at that point because mm-hmm. your offense was moving, your defense was hitting. It was just like – and I remember when he kicked the onside kick, I went – I texted – I mean, I tweeted, why, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> like, it just didn't make sense. And then, two, here's my back. Uh, the other part of my disappointment with Scott Frost. When he said about his offensive staff, yes. in this league, you have to be more creative. And it's like uh, Northwestern wasn't creative. Those boys just lined up in, like, the I form, I felt like, and just ran it down your throat. They ran for two bills on you. 
And then Helsinki, um, is it Helsinki? I want to say Helsinki, but that's from a TV show I'm watching. Um, yeah, <laughs> quarterback. From, yeah, quarterback from South came from South Carolina. I mean, he put up numbers. I mean, it wasn't like Northwestern did anything great. Like they just played pretty simple football. We're gonna give it to our running back who isn't anything amazing. Now I will say this though, uh, Northwestern has a phenomenal offensive line. Like, if you go back and look at the tape, they're just blowing those boys off the foot. Towards the fourth quarter, it was like you could drive two Mack trucks through the hole. But <clears throat> all that says my disappointment to Scott Frost, man. I think, I personally think that onside kick call, Trey, was arrogance. I think he felt a little weird that he was no longer in control of the offense mm-hmm. and had to kind of, I think he outkicked his coverage on that, essentially saying, you know, I got to find a way to put the knife in them. Like, let mm. me put the, the dagger in them. And you just kind of overthought basic football. It's like you're up 11. You got momentum. Just kick it, bro. <laughs> just kick it. Hope, hopefully your defense stops them and you go score. Well, and on that, I'm thinking, too, like, do you not have any confidence in your defense? And that's where I'm thinking, okay, maybe you're watching the game and no, he doesn't because they can't right. stop anything. So fair enough. But do you, is that the message you want to send to your defense right there in the third quarter? It's funny because my disappointment is also Nebraska, but I've got two different reasons than what you just said. Okay. The first one is up front. They got yeah. bullied up front all game. And the reason why that stuck out so loudly to me is because didn't Scott Frost just say something about his old line coach and how many times they're puking and all that? And whether it was like in jest or not, the bottom oh, yeah. line is is you don't say something like that and then come out and get and your boys get whooped. Just bullied, right? Um now, granted, later in the game they were able to pop a couple runs out. Um that running back, uh is that 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 Juco in fact you made yeah, a, I remember you I made, made a video, video about him, like back when he first committed to to Nebraska. He played really well. I thought the offense, their scheme actually was Looked like, good. Looked really good. It's just the second thing on my list that was disappointing is they can't catch the ball. They cannot catch the ball. And, I mean, Casey Thompson, he's hitting guys right on the hands, and it's just bouncing off. Mm-hmm. Northwestern, being a Pat Fitzgerald coach team, they capitalize on that type of stuff. So it seemed like every time the ball was in the air, you're going, oh, it's going to be an interception. Yep. And then Northwestern would get an interception. And then they would convert that into points. And that's just kind of what they do. They, yeah. they, they, they win those small battles throughout the game. And then in the end, end up winning a game that they maybe if, win. Yeah, maybe if the other team had have executed properly. Because that's the thing. If Nebraska just would have executed that entire game, I think they win by a couple possessions. I don't even think it's a close game. Um, I don't know if you you saw the tweet from the um, offensive line coach from Northwestern. Did you see it? Yes. And to think we only puke four times all game. You know what's what's crazy about him? Let me just go on. His name's Kurt Anderson. He's the O-line coach for Northwestern. He used to be the O-line coach at Arkansas. Did he? And he was awful. Like... Hmm. That's what's crazy. Probably our worst, one of our worst O-line coaches because he came, he actually replaced Sam Pittman when Pittman left to go to Georgia. And look, that was like a dagger to the heart of our fan base at Arkansas simply because 
that was our heart and soul was our O-line. And we knew mm-hmm. when he left, not only was it going to impact recruiting, but it was going to impact how we played on the field. And then we bring in this guy who at the time was like a assistant intern coffee cup filler in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Bielema brought him in and talked like he was about to be the greatest thing since, you know, the next great thing, next great O-line coach. He came in a little arrogant, um, I think because he knew he was walking in the shadows of Pittman. And so he had yeah, like a yeah. little bit of a couldn't recruit for nothing. Um, and if you watch our O-line play those two seasons, he was there. I mean, it was like we almost got Austin Allen killed and uh, oh, we yeah. just weren't very good. And then Bima got fired, yada, yada. Well, what's crazy, so then he goes to Northwestern, and he has a top 10 pick. Or was he Later. top 10? I don't know if he, if he was top 10. He was top 15, he was a, I think. He was a first-round pick and one of the best, like, he's becoming mm. one of the best O-linemen in the NFL. And then you watch how their O-linemen just punished Nebraska over the weekend. I'm thinking, wow, okay, that, that shows you it's like one man's trash is another man's treasure. Right. It's like, <laughs> it just shows you that, that, He's not a bad O line coach at all. He just was not a good fit at for Arkansas. Yeah. Um, for what we needed. And, you know, but you send him somewhere like Northwestern where he's probably getting guys that he can have in the program for five years. It's not guys mm-hmm. that are trying to, you know, come in and leave or whatever. They can develop and, you know, don't get me wrong. Obviously playing in the Big Ten West isn't playing in the SEC West. And for I sure. Mean, he's he's really like because even Arkansas fans like I remember that seeing that and thinking like there were Arkansas fans that were like, wow, you know, like, oh right. Goodness, like <laughs> this, this, he's really like, he's actually not a bad coach. Right. I mean, right. <laughs> and maybe he took his experience at Arkansas, learned from it and then right. went, okay, here's how I'm going to do this differently. But yeah, he's like got those boys playing and, and producing, you know, he's another first round guy at Northwestern right now. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like he, he's becoming like one of the top, you yeah, know, old line coaches in the country. <laughs> and I'm like, he was horrible in Arkansas. So, uh, anyways, so no, no, for me, Nebraska up front and their drop passes. That was probably my biggest disappointment of the weekend because I was pulling for those guys, man. I mean, me too. Uh, their fan base, just generally speaking, has shown our podcast and our our stuff a lot of love. Um, I had my shirt, my Nebraska shirt that, yeah. Um, the guy sent us our boy sent us and I did I was I was I really wanting Nebraska to have a big big year and then look they still can you know getting back to that overreaction thing like yeah. they still can it's not it's not over but this kind of segues into the question I want to hear your answer to is does Frost survive this season no somebody uh, tweeted did I retweet yesterday anyways this guy I love Twitter he was like the statistic. He goes, when when over fifty percent of callers start calling in and saying I'm a season ticket holder, and because of that, blah blah blah. He goes, the chances of a coach making it are not high. Mm-hmm. Like when you start having over half of your season ticket holders calling in to have this man's job, I just don't. Um, and I've talked to some, you know. The guy I work with is a big Nebraska fan, and he's like, you know, don't over. He actually had a very unique perspective, and I actually wanted to put this out there. He goes, because what is this technically year four for Frost? Is it year four? four or year five? five. He's like, five. it's really year like two and a half. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you got to think. You come in after recruiting, so that's not really your first year. You have your next year after that, then another year, then you have COVID, which doesn't really count. 
So then you have, I think it's year four, because then you have last year was like a full season. He's like, so it's really like two and a half. And I was like, hmm, that's a really interesting perspective. But I, I just don't, unless he just turns it around, I mean, we know they're going to win against North Dakota this week. Now, if they don't, well, he's done. I just, I think he has to win like eight ball games, man, to even be considered. He has to win eight ball games. Yeah, he's in year five. Right okay, now. so yeah, he has to win eight ball games. I mean, that's the thing, though, too. Like, I, the Nebraska fan base is very loyal. I mean, it's mm. probably the best, most loyal fan base in the country. They're the nicest people ever. And it's Scott Frost. I mean, yes, he's the last know, dude to give him an like, Addy. I, I think it's it's hard for a lot of Nebraska fans, not all of them, because obviously there's a huge portion of them. They're like, okay, we need to move on. But it's hard to separate from that, you know, because even me as a non-Nebraska fan, just a college football fan, like I right. want him to be successful at Nebraska. Exactly. Like where else? What? Where does he go from here? You know, I mean, look, he'll rebound and be just fine. But you go like mm. this, you got to think was like the pinnacle for him. You want to see him be like the twenty. You want to see him be the Pat Fitzgerald at yep. Nebraska, right? Absolutely. Who's there? You know, fifteen years from now, winning, bringing him back, doing big things. I just. I don't know, man. It kind of weirdly resembles what happened at Arkansas uh, after Petrino. Mm -hmm. In that, now look, Nebraska's, it's been a lot longer, but I'm just talking the, the kind of the past two coaches. They brought in Mike Riley, right? And that was a very odd. <clears throat> Because I think that's who replaced Bo Pelini. And look, Pelini did some good things. I had it. I mean, honestly, had it not been for the amount of money that was at stake for a Bama Texas national championship, they win the Big Twelve that year. I mean, Colt McCoy threw the ball like he threw. Like it was the dumbest decision ever, and the clock ran out. Like mm -hmm. game over. That was the yep. year with Sue and those guys. Yep. But. They money. they there was too much <laughs> money at stake with an Alabama Texas national championship. Both teams, I believe, were undefeated. Are you kidding yep. me? You are not gonna like mess that up. No way. So so. Anyways, my point is is Pelini. You know, I mean, you had Burkhead. Like they had some not some quite dogs. what they were in the nineties, but they they were. That's some they, dogs. Then they bring in Mike Riley, and I don't know, just an odd, odd hire. I guess. And he had that one season where I think they won nine games. Uh, they did really well. But then I think he was out after like year three. Yeah, it wasn't long. So then they bring in Frost. And it's like we're we're continuing. He's gotten more rope, obviously, because of who he is. That's good. But if you look at really what he's done, there's no reason he should still have that job. He hasn't even made a bowl game. Like, that's crazy. When that you is. go four straight years without making a bowl game at Nebraska, that's inexcusable. Yeah. And, and like, that's too premier of a program to not at least be bowl eligible. And uh, where I say it reminds me is because it was kind of like Bielema Morris was who Arkansas hired after. So it's kind of in reverse of what Nebraska did, but it was like, with Bielema, I was saying the same thing. I remember going like, well, you know, it's really like year, you know, because he had to come in and he had to clean up this and this right, and this right, and our right, APR right. and our grades. And he did this. And now we got guys graduating. Now we got this. And, you know, look how close we were. 
it was we were losing games the same way Nebraska's losing games. Oh man, look, we almost beat Bama, you know, by right, you know, right. lost by one and AM beat us every year, but we were usually up by like two possessions and you kind of always making these excuses, making these excuses. And then I think it was after we just got annihilated by TCU his last season there. I was, or yeah, his last season. There, I was like, we, we got to get rid of this guy. Yeah, and then Morris, right. that was a very short lived situation. I don't know what, <laughs> what that whole thing was, but then you get a guy in like Pittman and it shows you, Oh, Wait, so we go from not winning an SEC game in almost three years, and now we're winning three in one season? Right. Oh, now we're going nine and four in year two and winning a New Year's Day Bowl and you know actually competing with the top teams in the SEC? Right. And I think that's what's going to happen for Nebraska. I think he survives the year. I just don't think he will be the coach next year. Like It, just, it doesn't seem like a Nebraska way would be to fire him – I mean, unless they just like tank it. I mean, unless they just go like zero and six or something. If they lose next week to North Dakota, that man's getting fired in the middle. Of the yes, season. yeah, something <laughs> extreme like that. I don't yes. think they will. I don't. But if either. they, if they, even if they go six and six, like I just don't think getting bowl eligible. He has is to win eight enough. or nine games. Really, I think he has to win nine games. He has to win nine games and be like in the hunt for the West. Hmm. I, I mean, I yeah to stay because dude, we talked about this two weeks ago, but Mark Stoops, like you, you show me a coach, you know, sh- show a coach who isn't happy with where they're at without them actually saying they're not happy with where they're at. I'm just saying if there's any year a team could poach him, I believe it's going to be this year. He's yeah. probably going to win 10 games, nine or 10 games, which that's just crazy to think he's at Kentucky right. And like eight to 10 wins is the norm. Now he built that from scratch. I just can't imagine what he could do with the resources and support for the football program at a place like Nebraska. Well, I have a dark horse for that name though. Okay. Chris Kleiman. Ah, Kansas state and former North Dakota state. Yep. Yep. That's my like dark horse of a name. I can't even take credit for that. Somebody, I forgot who to college football home tweeted that. And I was like, oh, I would have never thought about that. But I think that would be, to me, that would be my dark horse. If they couldn't get Stoops, they might be somebody, a door they knock on. What about the guy at Wyoming that actually is a Nebraska guy who was the one who built that North Dakota State program? Because, you know, Kleiman came off as a Bull, Craig Bull, I think is his name. I might be saying it wrong. I'm looking it up now. um, He's the one that built the NDSU, like, like one and then handed it over to Kleiman when he went to Wyoming. Yeah, Craig Ball. Uh, wasn't he like he, – I think he was an Osborne assistant for a lot of years. Yeah, I'm looking him up right now. Craig Ball, it's his eighth season at Wyoming. Yeah, he did uh, – he was a Nebraska GA from 1981 to 83. Then he coached linebackers from 95 to 99. Then yeah. D.C. from 2000 to 2002. Then went to North Dakota State from 03 to 13. Yeah, and turned and him into a beast. And then, I mean, he's doing good at Wyoming, too, though, man. I mean, it's Wyoming. I'm, that's what I wonder, though, is has he done enough at Wyoming to to justify that? Whereas you got uh, a guy like Kleiman, Kleeman, I don't know how to say his name, but, like, he's at Kansas State. They're a lot of people's dark horses to win the Big 12 this year. Yeah. Um, He's doing all right at Wyoming. He just signed a contract extension, though. And it's over in 2024, though. 
So the buyout wouldn't be bad. And based upon Nebraska, they love nostalgia, seemingly. Yeah. I could see them knocking on Ball's door. That would make a lot of boosters and season ticket holders happy. Yeah, well, he'd bring some toughness, and he'd bring, you know, what they're it's, – it's, I have someone who told me this theory um, who grew up in Nebraska. It's a lady I used to work with, um, big college football fans. And husband went to Tennessee, so he's like a huge Tennessee fan. But she was telling me that the big downfall for Nebraska, she feels like, is one, it, you just don't have the same, like, corn fed like blue collar type kids because she said uh, Osborne used to get kids to come in and walk on yeah and then use his scholarships on you know Uh, that's yeah like what what was Frazier wasn't he from like Florida he's from one of the coasts he's from the east coast or the west coast and went and got him and um I I don't know she she had a very I'm I'm gonna mess it up so I don't want to try to that but but talking about like there was a system that was in place where you got all your beef up front because all those kids and those were like hard nosed like Nebraska dudes. boys yeah. yeah and she's like part of it's because the whole agricultural scene is just totally different than what it was back then True. just in our society now but then two whereas Osborne was able to get all these kids to come in and walk on and develop into like premier players. And then utilize scholarships elsewhere. That's another thing that's not happening. So I don't know, man. We got to think. They used to be able to do under the table deals back then way easier. <laughs> like, no way those guys are just walking on for free. Osborne was. <laughs> Boosters are finding another way to take care of those kids. I mean, <laughs> I know Nebraska faithful love Osborne, but if he's doing it that way, which I've heard some stories like that, like, yeah, guys used to just walk on and they were tough dudes and they were starters. I'm like, oh, no. Listen. <laughs> He was. They were getting taken care of some way, somehow. Some something was going on. You know, doesn't discount it. They won, but you know, it's like the gray shirt rule, bro. Saban uses it all the time. Yeah. Well, I I, I keep coming back to Stoops because if you look at his Kentucky teams, I mean, that's like exactly what if you're a Nebraska fan, like that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. This hard nosed like built up front defense, like strong up front defense. And then offensively, he kind of bounces around. He kind of like, we've talked about that a little bit, you know, he has yep. a little pro style RPO, you know, kind of a, kind of an NFL scheme. That's, that's creative enough to like, you know, be somewhat of an equalizer. Right. Cause he doesn't obviously have the best athletes. Um, recently he's been going and getting someone from that McVeigh Shanahan. Yep tree and and bringing them in i don't know we'll see how it hangs out we'll see how it plays out um but yeah so frost uh, i'm with you it's got to be nine wins that's the (laughs) good luck (laughs) i think what's frustrating especially if you're a nebraska fan like they should have won that game that should have been a blowout it's 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 kind of like the year morris's first or second year when they played vanderbilt and they just got they got whooped and you go, gosh, there was a time when you could look at the schedule and see Vanderbilt and market a dub. You know, if Easy. you're Nebraska, you're going, like, there was a time when I could pull up the schedule, see Northwestern, and go, okay, that's a win. Yeah, it is what it is. We're going to beat them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't Let's care. Let's just get like, out of that game healthy. That used to yes. be the thing. Just get out of the game healthy. <sighs> Anyways. Okay, well, what other week one 
I mean, we got five straight days of college football coming up. I can't wait. Like, do you want to start with Thursday and just kind of work our yeah, way through the go. weekend? Let's work our way through and then the we'll weekend. call it a day. Okay. Let's pull up these Thursday games. What do you got? What are you most looking forward to on Thursday? Oh, uh, Purdue versus um, Penn State, man. Took the words right out of my mouth. Purdue. I mean, we've been texting about it. You've been super high. And we briefly texted last night about it. Oh, I want to be all in on Purdue, but I feel like they do so much better as the underdog role. Um, I think Brahm will have those boys ready. I'm interested to see what Penn State we get. Mm -hmm. James Franklin obviously got that big contract extension. Um, so they're kind of stuck with them. Sean Clifford's coming back. I feel like for like an eighth year, I think it's like a sixth year. <laughs> um, they lose Jahan Dotson, but they, they got, um, I think an ESPN top one fifty running back coming in this year. Um, they got some talent on the outside defense. Penn state never really is bad defensively. Like they're actually always good. It's just kind right. of offense produce. Um, I think if it's a, I think if it's a close game, I actually like, Purdue in that game uh Jeff it's it's like Jeff Brom kind of has his guys ready to go I like Aiden O'Connell six year he really balled out last year they brought up some great guys from the transfer portal it's 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 hard for me to say that because like Penn State can be really good when they figure it out I just don't think they've really figured it out over the last and I have to I would have to go look but I don't know if they really figured it out over the last couple of years mm-hmm. I'm all in on Purdue this year. Like it's yeah. getting kind of scary because I'm I'm worried now that if Penn State wins that game Thursday, it's going to completely deflate me, almost as if one of my own my own team <laughs> lost. Uh, like I'm so high on Purdue this season. Like I, I think the table is set for them to make a run. Like yep for the Big Ten title. I, I love Jeff Brom. I've said this before. I always have an affinity for like Petrino guys. I love what they, I love that Petrino philosophy offensively. Jeff Brom has taken that and really made it his own. It really is one of the more creative offenses in the country. Um, and this arguably is their toughest game to start. The game. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I think they actually have to travel to Wisconsin, but that game comes at a point where they could really be rolling and I don't know what Wisconsin. I don't. I don't know what Wisconsin we're getting this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. I have no idea. But Purdue last year they turned that corner. They've got so much momentum. They've got who could arguably be the top quarterback, uh, second or third quarterback in the Big Ten. I don't know that he'll he'll surpass Stroud, but I'm just high on them, and I'm so looking forward to that game on Thursday. That, like I yeah. just said, I'm I'm very worried. Like they're gonna lose. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to completely <laughs> deflate like these huge hopes I have for them this season. Because like I said a couple of weeks ago, they don't play Michigan state. They don't play Michigan. They don't play Ohio state. Like you a great can't, schedule. and I say Michigan state very loosely. Cause I, again, I don't know what we're about to get out of them, but they don't play them. They, their toughest team they're playing from the East is week one against Penn state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm interested. I think, but the other game that game that day I'm actually looking forward to is the was it the backyard brawl West Virginia versus yes. Pitt. And there's yes. some good because it's Keaton Slovis is starting for Pitt who played at USC. JT Daniels who played at USC is now the lead quarterback at West Virginia. Graham Harrell who was both of their OCs is now the OC at West Virginia. I think um, and Pitt's ranked. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see what that game's going to look. 
J- I feel like we've been talking about JT Daniels for like seven years. I yeah, mean, keep in mind, everyone, like he he came to West Virginia from Georgia. So right. And went to Georgia from USC. Mm-hmm. Went to because I don't know if people remember JT Daniels is the kid that was the Gatorade, I think, National Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and forwent his senior season of high school and went straight to college. Mm-hmm. Like played his junior year, dominated at Matter Day, and said, instead of playing my senior year of high school, I'm going to graduate early, go to USC, and still played as a true freshman when he should have been a senior in high school, and I think threw for like 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns before he, like, tore his ACL or something. Mm. Um, so I feel like we've been talking about J- the JT Daniels kid for forever. So this is clearly his fifth year. Um, I think that's going to be a really, really good game. I actually think I picked West Virginia to win that. Um, over, I think they're going to upset Pitt week one. I mean, after losing everything. Because Pitt lost Whipple. They lost Pickett. They lost Jordan Addison. I don't really know who else is on that team. Well, in West Virginia, uh, their coach, he's a he's an air raid guy. Um, in fact, I think he played in at Kentucky during those Tim Couch years with Hal okay. Mummy and Mike Leach, Mummy the head coach, Leach the OC. Yep. Um, so he's yeah, I mean he's he's an air raid type of guy, and you know we'll see how like you said Harold coached uh, at USC when JT Daniels was there, so we'll see how that goes, and then of course Pitt. The storyline with them is what does their offense look like after Mark Whipple? Um, you know, Whipple's offense would have looked a heck of a lot better uh, against Northwestern at Nebraska um, had, had had the receivers <laughs> right. caught the ball. Right. You know, uh, you got to execute. So, but as I'm looking at the rest of the week, you know, Tennessee, curious to see how they look. Their, their offense has a lot of hype around it right yes. now and they're playing you know ball state so we should see if you know if, if, if it really is what everyone's making it out to be they should run them out the gym uh-huh you got what minnesota they're playing yeah i New mean Mexico wake state. forest is playing uh, i mean I, I think penn state purdue and then the 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 backyard brawl pit west virginia those are definitely the two top games unless your yeah. team is playing thursday because gosh there's like 16 games that's it's insane. <laughs> crazy. And you said this before we started recording. I mean, this is arguably a better slate of games than what we just had week zero. It is. It is. I would have rather watched this on Sun- Saturday than what we watched. Well, let's move, let's move to Friday. Friday night. Yeah. Uh, because the number 15 ranked Michigan State is playing Western Michigan. Yeah, I'd be interested to see them. I'm and I'm... The reason why I'm also interested here... Have you seen that documentary about the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry? There's a documentary. There is, dude. And I did, I just saw it. I actually watched it last night. It was on Big Ten Network. It's called uh, Divided We Stand, maybe, is what it's oh, called. Okay. And they, they talk about it from the football and basketball perspectives. And okay. I think it might be a couple years old because Beeline was in it and he was wearing his Cavaliers polo. Okay, um, so that's like two years ago. But yeah, I mean, they, they yeah. talked through like the 1990 game with with when Desmond Howard like caught and then dropped the two point yeah. conversion. They went, I mean, they went through the whole history of it. Then like the 
is it uh, D'Antonio, mm-hmm. um, how he just hated. And then, the, of course, Mike Hart, little brother, yeah. <laughs> kind of talked about the Something laugh. like a little brother, yeah. <laughs> and so they have a lot of different player perspectives. I was watching it like, I wonder if Brandon has seen this. because I didn't even really, know that was a thing. It, well, it really dives in, and you really, really see how badly Michigan State like almost just wants to be <laughs> – it, on the football side of things, they how do. badly they want to be seen as like this true they do. Like, rival. They do. Here's and here's the thing about that. Like, no, and they are little brother. They'll always be little brother. Yes, they have recent success, and they always throw that at us. Like, look at their last decade. I'm like, bro, like no one cares. Cause like, here's the thing as a Michigan fan, I can say this honestly. Michigan probably has like five rivals. Mm. So like every year you have to worry about playing every you're everybody's rival. Your Michigan State's rival, your Notre, Notre Dame's Day. rival when you play, your Ohio State's rival. Penn State doesn't have a real rivalry, so who do they want to be? Michigan. Michigan. Minnesota, they're our rival. Like everybody in the Big Ten doesn't have a real rivalry outside of us. So <laughs> it's like everybody's just like, Well, F Michigan, we want to beat them. So the thing with Michigan State fans, like it is what it is. Like, and here's the thing: like living in the state as long as I have, growing up around it. Like, I have family that went to Michigan State. I don't think I have any family that went to U of M. Um, I should have, but I think the thing is, it's like there's this elitism about Michigan fans that everybody hates. Because mm-hmm. um, you it, see that in the documentary. Yeah, it there, and and there is a true elitism. It's you know the <sighs> some people are going to slaughter me about. It. I don't care if they listen, but it's. Growing up, I can just talk about my experience. Growing up, I went to Cranbrook, which is like one of the top prep schools in the country. Like oh, we, we were know, the kids. We see Eight Mile. We know all yeah, about you, Cranbrook, and it's a real school. So like, <laughs> I went there. It's a whole thing, and like, we're the kids that go to Michigan. And here's the thing: like, Michigan's like our fallback school at Cranbrook. It's like if I don't get into an Ivy, I'm going to Michigan. Mm. Um, and there, yeah, it, it's Michigan is just kind of known as like the like. You know, we're the preppy kids, but we're, like, really good at everything. Um, Versus, like, Michigan State is like, yeah, you know, have to get it off the mud. And it's just kind of like the thing where they just – I applaud them. They've been able to keep on this this thing for ages, at least since I've been alive. Like, this chip on our shoulders, we need to prove Michigan that we're the the best team in the state and everything and the best university. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like, no one's like – Oh, Michigan State, you went there? Like, it's like, oh, okay, cool, you went to Michigan State. But if you tell somebody you went to Michigan, it's like, oh, wow. You know, there, there's just this, or if you tell somebody you're a Michigan State fan, no one's like, oh, oh, you, you know, you don't get instant trash talk. It's like, oh, that's good, that's good. The moment you say you're a Michigan fan, like, you get hate from all like It's just, whatever, man, like, they can have it. I don't, I don't care, like. I, it's it's whatever. I hate Michigan State. I'm never going to pull back from it. They're annoying. I hate the fact that they've had some recent success um, on the football field because on the basketball side, Michigan's definitely been dominating that series over like the last decade. So, and that's supposed to be their thing. On top of that, like they're supposed to be the basketball school, but Beeline and Howard has proved otherwise. So you know, whatever. Um, Screw them, bro. That's so, just what I'm going to say. So I'm curious though. Like Western Michigan, they're good. Normally. Can have a sneak. Yeah, I'm gonna say they they they're a team that can kind of sneak up on you on any given year. So I'm wondering how that game's gonna play out with them versus Michigan State. Is LSB still the quarterback at Western Michigan? I don't even know. 
Let me see um, if I can find out if I can the next 90 seconds. I'm here. trying to pull it up. Because um, he Let's actually. What's his name? I think it's Ellis. What is the quarterback from last year? No, he's gone. back. He, he graduated. Okay. He graduated. Because he was actually really good last year. I'm just. I, I gave my thoughts on Michigan State, bro. They should have went 7-5 and five last year. Kenneth Walker made them a 10-win team. Mm. And I can't hate on it. He, I mean. Well, it was that good. And that never quit sort of Mel Tucker take yeah. him to the woodshed mentality. Yeah, I mean, you gotta yeah. that, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Eh, whatever. I, I like him. I, I'm, I know. I'm 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 like it's funny because until I met you, like my relationship with you has made me much more fond of Michigan. Yeah. I always leaned on the Michigan State side because I was a huge fan of like that the Flintstone team. Yep. And look, most of it come comes from basketball, right? right? Because of Izzo and the Flintstones and those teams I loved watching. And they always had like this gritty, just style of play and they're mm-hmm. tough. And then as I got to know you, I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm, I'll be a Michigan fan. I'll be an yeah, honorary man. Michigan it's... fan. And, 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 and I like my... Harbaugh. I mean, I, I love do. Tucker. I've said that though. I said it last week. If Tucker wasn't a coach at Michigan state, I would be all about Tucker. I'm just over it, man. Like I'm just, I'm just so over it. I can't believe they gave him a ten year extension. And don't get me wrong, man. He might prove that he. I, I think we got to remember he came in off a of COVID season. They were decent, and then he had man. He struck gold with Kenneth Walker last mm-hmm. year. Like let's see what happens year three, four, five before we start deeming him like the next great thing in in the Big Ten. Well, the extension worked. I mean, it was it was a perfect storm because here he is turning them into, you know, potentially a playoff competitor, a, a playoff contender. And then all these big time jobs start opening up. <laughs> so and of course, his name was associated with all of them. I mean, you and I were making videos with the LSU and Florida State if they yeah. had they because we were talking about if Norvell didn't survive last season after they had just lost to Jacksonville State, but then you had LSU, you had Notre Dame, you know. There's some big I, jobs opening. So it's kind of like, okay, we better, we better, as you say, back up the Brinks truck yeah, and keep this guy. Okay, Friday night, though, I've got my eye on this Illinois-Indiana game. Uh, yeah, Illinois, that's going be good. That's uh, another team I said. I, I don't see them competing for the Big Ten, but I did – call them as my bounce back team in the big 10 mm-hmm. after last season with uh, Bielema coming in, bringing uh, Lenny jr. In this year and offense looked good. I mean, it wasn't, didn't look just like phenomenal and blow you away, but it was good. And, and I, I'm curious to see how they build on that win against Wyoming going into a road big 10 game against a team who's been decent. Yeah. Um, the past few seasons, you know, it's not the same Indiana that, that you and I grew up on where it's like, ah, that's a win. They've, they've right. actually had some good teams. And um, so I'm curious about that one. And then I think the other power five matchup is that TCU at Colorado yeah. uh, with um, Sonny Dykes uh, opening game, man. Mm-hmm. And then Colorado's so quarterback uh, is actually from, uh, is a Texas, Texas boy uh, from Melissa, Texas. So, Oh really? Yeah. I, I'm okay. assuming he's starting. He started last year. So we'll see. I'm not like super plugged in with Colorado though. So yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm <laughs> pretty sure they're starting quarterback. And uh, then we get to Saturday, which clear your schedules, everyone. I mean, make up Big any day. excuse you can. You are not doing anything Saturday. It is the week one real opening weekend. 
mm-hmm. the college football season. Mm-hmm. We've got several top 25 matchups, one of those being a top five matchup. Mm-hmm. Just in a nutshell, B. Holmes, run me through what you're most looking forward to. Obviously, I know you're going to have your eye on that 11 a.m. Colorado State at Michigan. In fact, yep. that might be the 11 a.m. game I'm watching now that I'm looking at the schedule. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, 12, 12 p.m. for me. We're on the East Coast. But ah, yeah. I think the game I'm actually looking forward to most that most people are kind of overlooking, I feel like, is Utah versus Florida. I think this has huge implications uh. on the college football season, man. Everyone's not no longer talking about Utah. You know, the big talk out west is USC. Is Lincoln Riley going to have these boys playing right off the bat, getting ready to compete, not even for the Pac-12 title, getting ready to go for college football playoff contention. And I think that's fueling Whittingham's fire. Like, I think the mm-hmm. Cam Rising is a Heisman dark horse. I mean, yes, they lost Devin Lloyd off that team. Who is it Devin Lloyd, the linebacker they just lost? But, man, Whittingham, man, he has those boys ready to go. And I think... Is it a um? Is it an away game? I think yeah, so. Yeah, it's at Gainesville. It's in Gainesville. Like I think, man, if they can win that game and and win it handily and showing that they still have that toughness, I think, man, this is that's going to set the tone for Utah. Um, because Utah to me, man, they're a dark horse as far as racing for this college football playoff. Like, I'm starting to like them a lot, and I love the trajectory Whittingham took them from what the Mountain West to the Pac-12, and yep. now they've been able to climb the ranks in the Pac-12 where. Man, they definitely don't recruit the same type of talent that the USC's and the UCLA's and everybody else gets. But, man, we year in and year out, those boys are fighting for that Pac-12. And if you look recently, man, they've, they've man, the Pac-12 should be unnoticed. They shouldn't be surprised. And I think they're kind of getting overshadowed from Lincoln Riley, Dan Lenning, Ohio, you know, Oregon's playing at um, Georgia. You know, there's a lot going on, and I think that's perfect for them. They're kind of slowly sneaking underneath the radar. A little bit. And I think they win this game, and it sets the tone for what they're going to do this year. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go on record and say this, is that if they don't win and Florida wins that game, my overreaction for next week's episode <laughs> of the Blue Bloods podcast will be whatever Florida Gator Nation does. Yep. Because I'm telling you right now, you want to see an overreaction for a team that's desperate to be relevant. You know, yes, again, it's if Florida beats Utah – that that'll be my overreaction of the week next week. Um, you know what I'm, what I've got my eyes on top 25, number 19 ranked Arkansas Razorbacks hosting the playoff coming off a playoff season. Number 23, Cincinnati Bearcats. You know, the team we have, I'm just not worried about this game and maybe I should be, but Part of it's because of the team we have, and part of it's because of everything I know Cincinnati lost. Right. They lost two corners to the NFL. One was a first-rounder. Yep. Like, top 10, I think, Sauce Gardner. Sauce, like, baby. Um, and then Ritter, who was seemed like he was their quarterback for, like, for like a decade, <laughs> you know? And I just – I like what Arkansas has coming back. I mean, we've pretty yeah. much got our entire offensive line. We've got a – we're going to have one of the, I think by season's end, we'll be considered one of the best stable of running backs. We've got a, a returning starter and quarterback, KJ Jefferson, who some are considering, you know, a potential Heisman candidate. I don't know. I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah. Not because he couldn't, but I just, I need to see 
if he continues to take the steps, like if you watch KJ Jefferson against Rice a year ago, which was our first game of the season, and then against, you know, Mizzou, which was the last game of the regular season, yeah, totally different quarterback. I mean, I he agree. took some massive strides last season. If he's like continuing on that trajectory, like there's been no, you know, hiccups or step backs or whatever. Right. right. Yeah, I, I'll probably join in on that. But a big part of getting in that Heisman discussion isn't just stats. I mean, you got to win, and you yeah. know, it's a tough, it's a tough schedule. It's a tough road for the Razorbacks. But I do think they beat Cincinnati. I'm very much looking forward to that game. Um, it's nice just for the what's the word I'm looking for the perception mm-hmm. being able to open your season against a team coming off a playoff berth for sure um, who's also ranked in the top 25 um, but I don't I don't want to say it's a slouch I mean Fickle's still there he obviously has a very successful program I think Cincinnati again has the has a great chance at being that top group of five school yep um whether they win or lose against Arkansas, but God, I just, I don't know, man. Like I'm really high on the hogs coming into this year and it's, it's different than most years. It's not the beginning of the season homerism. It's like, no, like we got a squad right now. And, right. And, and we patched some holes through the transfer portal. Um, like we did a year ago. I mean, our entire defensive line last year, we're all transfer portal guys that signed in like April. And so we kind of followed a similar path. We got Drew Sanders from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Jalen Catalan came back. I mean, like mm-hmm. there were just some some key things. I do. I'm a little worried about our receiving group without Traylon Burks. Uh, we did bring in some guys for that. I'm just, you know, you don't know till you know till you right. see him on the field. And Traylon Burks, you know, he I mean, you talk about production. He he was. <laughs> um, I do think we have a different approach this year. I think I think we'll be more, you know. We'll rush for three thousand yards as a team. That's a prediction I'm putting out there, and and I just we just need receivers to make plays when we need yeah. them to. And that's the thing I think could take away from KJ's like Heisman push is I don't know that he's going to have huge numbers throwing the ball because I think right. we're going to be such a a run driven team. Um, but other than that, uh, obviously you've got Oregon, Georgia. I think Georgia blows them out. I just do. And, and, and not like 63 to 14, but I think it's probably a, 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 a 28. Yeah. You know, 31. I don't even know if they, I don't think Oregon scores 28 on Georgia, man. I think it's probably more like 31, 10, you know, something Ooh, like that. Goodness. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I'm not seeing it. And, and isn't. Yeah. And then you got. Ohio State, Notre Dame. It's going to be a freaking dog walk. Top five. (laughs) It's going to be a dog walk, man. Here's the thing, man. In my heart, though, Trey, like I want to believe, but I just don't see. Here's what I'm most looking forward to about that game. How does that defense look early on for Ohio State? I think if they come out and they look like some dogs and they're playing tough, I'm probably already going to be like, well, it was fun that we beat them last year. Um, like yeah. I'm, I'm more interested to see what Jim. Knoll, I know what that offense is about. I know what that offense is going to do. I want to see what Jim Knowles has that defense looking like. Um, against Notre Dame, and you know, let's kind of see see what happens. Um, and then hopefully those guys get out of there healthy. Um, that that's probably going to be the biggest thing for them is can they get out of that game healthy? All right, so let me ask you. Well, I'll ask you this as we 
after we get through the rest of the weekend. So we move into Sunday. Sunday we've got Jackson LSU. State, FAMU. Oh, we got I'm saying we got. I think they're gonna the they play earlier in the day. Yep. And then Florida State, LSU. Yes. Let me talk about that Jackson State, FAMU game real quick. It's gonna be a good game. I, I'm I'm curious to see this Jackson State offense. Mm-hmm. I watched actually a lot of Jackson State last year. Yep. And I'm not going to say I watched every single game every single week, but I watched a good amount. A good of amount. It. And their offense struggled a lot. Um, particularly the two games I'm referring to were against FAMU to open the season. So you go, okay, well, it's the open the season. They're still figuring it out. And then that game in the uh, Celebration Bowl against, yep. you remember that? South yeah, Carolina that State. They, they pretty much exposed them. So here's what Deion Sanders did. He brought in a guy who is cut from like the air raid tree. Okay. Because last year's guy was more of a run and shoot type. Got you. Type guy. He he was in the June Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he was actually June Jones' offensive coordinator at SMU. And then I'm pretty sure Deion Sanders Jr. was at SMU in somewhere yeah. in that window. And so that's maybe where the connection happened. But he's no longer there. Okay. Um, but he was, <clears throat> I don't think he's there at least, but some of the kind of the differences just like very surface level, very surface level between those two offenses is kind of what you're asking players to do. The yes. run and shoot asks a lot more out of their receivers, Yep. right? Because it's all about running the right route. It's a very, mm-hmm. it reminds me of like basketball where it's very read and react. Yep. If he's shading me this way, then I run this. Oh, this if way, he's right. lined up this way, then I do this, right? And the quarterback, it's more of just I'm going through my progressions and then I, I'm trusting everybody runs the right route based on what the coverage shows and I just hit the open guy. And that's why they would say like with Colt Brennan, rest in peace, but guys that played in that system, quarterbacks never really evolved in anything in the league and they kind of got the whole quote-unquote system quarterback, the Timmy right. Changs, the, the Colt Brennans, the... Uh, I think SMU had a guy even as well. But then you look at the receivers, guys like Cole Beasley, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders, who played in that system. They go on and they become like really good NFL oh, receivers because they're asked to do so much. Whereas the air raid, it's a little bit different <clears throat> in that, it, and you know this just because you played in a variation of this in high yes. school, but you're more reliant on the quarterback to get you in the right, you know, Space, right read, yeah. right yep. check, whatever it is. And so I'm not saying I'm not there, right? I'm not on the whiteboards, but I would imagine for Jackson State, one of the biggest shifts that's happening from their offense from last year to this year is maybe the philosophy now is to put more on Shador, who will be a sophomore quarterback, versus the receivers running these right routes. Because there were times last year where it's like the receivers couldn't get open. Like, it was crazy. It was like... And then Shador, of course, is running for his life. And so you never really knew, okay, who who is this on? Like, who right. is this on the line? <laughs> right. Is this on the quarterback? Is this on the receivers? Well, now I think um, running kind of this air raid philosophy, they got Travis Hunter, who every time I see him, though, he's in a boot. So I don't know if he's actually playing or not yeah. uh, when I've seen him on, like, some of the social media pages. But we just saw what FAMU could do defensively, and they they held their own without half their players. Or right, well, right. I think they were only missing like three or four starters. Three starters, but, and I don't know if they were all on defense, but their best player was. And I don't know if he's going to play or not. But I am very curious to see this Jackson State offense, and 
I'm not so sure they beat FAMU, even though this is like their year to really to be, right make some noise. That'll be interesting. I'm gonna watch that game. And then you go uh, what LSU FSU? Yeah, which I th- I'm interested to see what Brian Kelly's gonna do, man. How's LSU gonna look at with Brian Kelly? You know, there's been a lot of talk. He's not had the most positive off season, but the dude's been recruiting his behind off. LSU is never without dogs on that team, man. They they always got guys. I mean, they lost some guys to the transfer portal, but I'm interested to see because I mean Brian Kelly's team they they could score. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm just interested to see what LSU we get and then what Florida State because um, we saw what they did against Duquesne, but I'm like, uh, can can y'all do that against some flat out athletes that can um as uh was it Malcolm Kelly says we some athletes can we can. <laughs> Can we see what they do there? So, no, that'll be an interesting game for me to watch. And then, of course, Monday we we cap it off with Clemson and Georgia Tech at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Should be a blowout. It should be. It's crazy because I'm seeing a lot of, like, upset alert for Georgia Tech. I think people are just writing Clemson off because they had a seemingly down season a year ago. 10-3. and three. I know. 10-3 and three down year. And everyone's kind of just – they're writing off that quarterback who I actually think is probably prime for a really good season. DJ? Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, what, what – what, Georgia Tech? Like, what do they – What have they done? They don't even recruit Georgia well. Like, what have they done that makes people think <laughs> they're going to upset Clemson? And do they have did, – did that guy come back for a year or – Who? Well, they lost oh. their best – I don't – I think so. But they lost their best player to Alabama. Um, Jeff Collins. Oh yeah, he is. Jeff Collins is back. He's let's see, three and nine, three and seven, three and nine. Yeah, no way, no way, bud. No way. I'll eat my words if they do that this week, but there's no way, no way. Clemson will out athlete them to a win. All right, last question. Then we'll we'll end this episode as we're creeping up to an hour and. Hour and a half. <laughs> uh, it's our um, podcast. Who cares? <laughs> I know. Whatever. <laughs> I, I needed to tell everybody my bout with salmonella poisoning. I'm, I'm putting that on the resume. Salmonella poisoning yeah, survivor. <laughs> um, what game? I think I had to ask this for the whole weekend. Are you most looking forward to slash? Do you, because you think it will be the best game. What game are you most looking forward to? And then in parentheses, it also will be a good game that does not feature your team over the weekend. Mm. I think most people probably expect to pick like the top ranked team matchups, but I don't think because I think every top ranked game is going to be a blowout. Like I think Ohio State's going to run through Notre Dame. I think, like you said, Georgia's going to beat Oregon handily. Um, I think Arkansas is going to do really well against Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm going to go the first thing that popped in my mind is is Purdue versus Penn State. Like, I know that's the Thursday game this week. Um, Big Ten implications. I think Aiden O'Connell is about to have a coming out party this week nationally because it'll be the game on Thursday. Um, I think it has the potential to be – I watch a lot of Purdue football, actually. Like, I like Jeff Brom. I watch a lot of Purdue football. It's never not exciting. Like, I don't know if anybody remembers the game they played against Ohio State last year. Like, I watched it to the end because I was like, every time you thought they were down and out, boom, they'd score, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, they might be right back in this thing. Um, 
I'm actually probably more excited about that game than any other big game on the slate because of how that affects the Big Ten because it's a Big Ten conference game, how this affects really the Big Ten West because if, like you said, if Purdue wins, they could run the t- they can get pretty close to running the table mm-hmm. um, and and really just kind of be like this year's Cinderella story. So to me, that is the game I think I care. I would say second would be LSU Florida State. Um, two huge programs, two huge programs that are kind of like on the they're coming off some pretty bad years. Uh, well, bad year for LSU because they just won a natty <laughs> not too long ago. But that excuse me, those would be my my the two games. Honestly, outside of the Michigan game, that I'm like, I'm looking forward to watching those. I mean, you literally took the word right out of my <laughs> mouth. So it's funny because when you said Purdue Penn State, I was like, crap, I'm over here looking at the rest of the games mm-hmm. because like I'm so in on Purdue right now. Like I am looking for I I can't wait to watch that game. Like me, I'm, me neither. I it's feel like game. I'm sitting down. Like I'm I'm looking forward to my own team. Is what's yeah. crazy. And then I was like, well, and I'm looking through here and I go, oh, I was like, Florida State, LSU. And I'm thinking, oh, it's that Sunday night matchup. It's a good game. Is Florida State going to be able to run the ball against LSU? You know, like there's just so much about that game. I think it could be a good game. Yeah. And then you're like, and eh, I think my second one will be Florida State, LSU. So I'm like, <laughs> ah, where's my ah, other one? My bad. Ah. Um, because, I, yeah, dude, I mean, I don't think Ohio State, Notre Dame. I want to say that one. And obviously when you got two top five teams, Week one, night game. I just, as bad as I want Notre Dame to be competitive there, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't, man. I don't. Okay, I got one for you. I got one. Rice at USC. Just from a curiosity standpoint, I Uh, want to see the USC offense. Yep. That's not a game like I'm going to be locked into, but like maybe watch the first quarter of right. or catch some of on like my third screen. That might be on like my iPad screen. The third screen is back. It is back. Or maybe that Jackson State game. I mean, I just went on a whole tangent about the offense and, you know. That'll be a good game. Yeah, that'll be a really good game. I think that, that that's probably about what I'm excited about. I mean, obviously, I am excited about Michigan. I mean, we're back this week, so it's going to be um, interesting. Dude, I think they could run the table. I meant to text you that last night. Michigan. Michigan? Okay. I was looking at the schedule last night, and I'm going, you know It's possible. It's not a crazy schedule. But then just as quickly as I say that, I go, they can lose to Colorado State. Yep. (laughs) I I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But I'm just saying, like. That's no, I agree. I as a Michigan fan, I agree. I, I don't sit too high on my pedestal thinking we've turned a corner. Let me and I'll end my part of the episode with this Michigan thing. If you didn't know, Jim Harbaugh came out in typical Jim Harbaugh fashion. Week zero college football, six PM. When everything everyone else is talking about college football is back. Jim Harbaugh drops the biggest news probably to come out of oh, Schimblecker yes. Hall in a long time. Hey, we don't have a starting quarterback. They're both playing really good. Cade's going to start week game one. JJ will start game two. We'll pick a starter week three. Now, I had some initial thoughts, and I held off on tweeting because I was like, let me really think about this. Mm. I have a theory. Here's this theory. I think I'm pretty darn right about this theory. So here's my theory. 
everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm-hmm. All offseason, outside of Ohio State, everybody's pretty much said, Michigan should run the table. Harbaugh, what does he always want to guard against? Is complacency and entitlement. Mm. He's really big about that. I don't want anybody to get comfortable. No one should get comfortable in my program. <clears throat> I do not deny I think Kay McNamara right now is the better quarterback. I think Jim likes Kate right now. Because if there's any quarterback that reminds him of himself, it's Cade McNamara. Now, if you look at these out-of-conference games in the early part of our schedule, it's pretty cupcakey. It's pretty mm-hmm. cupcakey. So how does Jim go from, instead of my guys being cupcakey, taking it easy, how do I instill a new fire into my team this year? Well, Cage Wire, like me, one thing he would hate is the fact that people are questioning Should he be the starting football player, the starting quarterback at the University of Michigan? Mm. I know he should start. Everybody, Trey, I pay a lot of money for insider stuff, all this. Every person that's driven, that's gone through Michigan, even the Big Ten Network when they did their their campus tour, flat out said, K. McNamara, best quarterback on the roster. The ball does not hit the ground. So I just, my thought thought was this. Maybe Jim was like, hmm. To make sure we don't lose our fire, to make sure the leader of this team, make sure the team plays up to the stand I wanted to play, let's do a little experiment. Because here's the truth, guys. J.J. was playing no matter what. Mm. We saw that last year. We were going to see it a lot more this year. So I figured Harbaugh finally probably went, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to let you play. Then... Even though I know JJ's not ready to to take your spot, I'm gonna make you feel, I'm gonna I'm gonna stoke something inside you because you're a wire like me, that pisses you off so much. Because I'm still gonna name you the starter because you're the best quarterback. Mm. That you'll hold your team so accountable because you're gonna be like, there's no way. Excuse my French. There's no way in hell, some kid's gonna come and take my spot and take my team from me. And it will raise the level of play because Cade will be so fired up where he's like, if you are underachieving, I'm calling you out. If you're not doing your job, I'm holding you accountable. I think it was a leadership tactic by Harbaugh. When I really thought about it, I was like, because it makes no sense. Like, Cade's that guy. And J.J. does give you something. Don't get me wrong. He does give you some things Cade doesn't give yeah, you. Different element. He gives you a different <clears throat> element with the wiggle and I and I do think the explosiveness of the offense ceilings race when, when he's there. But what does Harbaugh value more than anything? Ball security, mm-hmm. making smart decisions, getting the ball down the field, putting points on the board. That's mm-hmm. what he values. That's who he was as a quarterback. I think this was a leadership tactic. Mm-hmm. I really think this was let me raise the level of fire on this team, which starts at the head, which is my quarterback. So I'm going to, one, I'm going to silence all of this. I'm going to make him sit a game. And I'm sure he'll play part of that game that JJ's going to play, you know. But I'm going to let him sit and watch somebody be in his spot that everybody's clamoring for. Mm. Because he's wired like me, I think that's going to fire him up so much that he's going to have an electric season. 
That's just my theory. I thought long and hard about that. I went back and forth. I went, ah, maybe it's... Then I was like, mm, it doesn't make sense because J.J. was going to play anyways. Yeah, I was I was thinking it was to keep J.J. from transferring. But now that you lay all that out, it's kind of like, oh. I mean, he's going to be the starter next year anyway. He's going to be the starter next year. J.J.'s not transferring. He makes a million plus a year. <laughs> yeah. He's not even the starting quarterback at the University of Michigan. <laughs> he's, he's not going anywhere. Like, what backup quarterback in the country right now is like... I make a million dollars a year, and everyone loves me, and no one blames me for anything. <laughs> and I want to get some packages. Like, he's going to – I think the split would be 70-30, honestly, when it comes down to snaps at the end of the year when you look at it. So he's going to get enough, and he's going to get a lot of playing time because I believe we're going to blow a bunch of teams out, and he's going to be able to get his run, and everyone's going to be, oh, the JJ, this is what we need. I think this is more so for K to be like, oh, this is yours, but how bad do you – because Cade has that Brady thing. Like, I'm going to prove you why I should be the starting quarterback. Harbaugh's that way. Brady's that way. The greats are normally that way. I'm not saying Cade McNamara's going to be great. But I think this was more of a leadership ploy to raise the level of play. Because you got to think, we don't play anybody till like week five when we go to Kinnick Stadium at Iowa. Which mm. we saw what we did to Iowa last year. Mm. So realistically, we don't play anybody till like week seven. I think is when we play Michigan State. So how do you make sure your team, like, comes out the gate hot and you're you're firing at a high level right out the gate? Oh man, you put you put your team leader in the mix and say, "Go get it." I like though. It's interesting how he 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 gave McNamara. Is it McNamara? Yeah, Colorado State. Meanwhile, JJ gets Hawaii, who just gave up a sixty piece to Vanderbilt. Right. And it was a dual threat QB that diced them up, which is what JJ mm-hmm. is. So, because what I'm thinking is going to get interesting. Let's just say Michigan wins, you know, 31 17, right? And mm-hmm. let's say the offense struggled a little bit, not heavily, but, you know, yeah. I, I would imagine Colorado State's going to be, let me ready to play, decent this year, yeah. I think. Not good enough to beat Michigan. And then JJ goes into that Hawaii game and just torches them. Well, then you got to play JJ though. I think, <laughs> I, I think it's a win-win for Harbaugh though. Like I think Absolutely. either McNamara elevates the game, which I think from what I've been hearing he has, and he puts it on display, or JJ just blows it out the water and it's like, well, I win. <laughs> oh, dude, I just remembered. I forgot about that. So Colorado State's got a first-year head coach, and his offensive coordinator is Matt Mummy, Hal Mummy's son. Oh. And they, they were together at Nevada. Jay Norvell and yep. uh, Matt Mummy, they were together at Nevada the past few seasons. So they're at Colorado State now. Oh, that, that just piqued my interest a little bit more for that Michigan game. Not that Michigan's going to struggle to defend the air raid. I'm looking at their... Michigan, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I think we've, I think we're, I think there's nothing to it but to do it at this point. Nah, we'll see everybody here. next week. Thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy your five straight days of college football. Uh, we'll probably do a Tuesday release next week just so we can get through all of That's the games. Monday game, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Here we go. It's on. Peace. College football. I love March Madness. 
solid.